0: Hello and welcome to Mind Your Own Retirement from Your Life Choices. And coming up on today's show, Jeremy Duffield, chairperson from Retirement Essentials.
1: Now, All the psychological studies say that people do get more conservative when they get older, but it can actually be uh, bad for their wealth. Because you've got to fight inflation over the course of your retirement. And if you don't have some money in growth investments, you're going to fall behind.
0: The iconic Beverly Sutherland-Smith talking cooking and so much more.
2: Uh, one of my things at the moment that I'm loving is coarse lettuce cut in half, put in a pan with a cut side down so it actually char grills a little bit, turning it up on a plate and covering the top with cheese and pear.
0: And when it comes to travelling, Airbnb, the pitfalls, what you should be doing. Barry Wallacott is joining us from Slater and Gordon.
3: If you want to get repatriated back to Australia because you need major surgery and you don't want to have it in some exotic like you want your travel insurer to repatriate you back and that's not going to be paid for by Airbnb or the host.
0: Welcome to Mind Your Own Retirement. It's the podcast from Your Life Choices, the website, the e-newsletter, and Kay Fallick is the publisher, and she's here with me right now. Hello, Kay.
4: Hello, John. Pinch, punch, first
0: of the month. It is indeed. Boy, uh, is it just because we're getting older, or does time going quicker?
4: Where did February go? I
0: know. Where did December go?
4: I don't know. (laughs) I'm
0: I'm actually looking forward to, for the first time, I'm looking forward to the end of uh, summer. I'm pleased it's now over. It's been such a horrific uh, time. I
4: think it's been tough. Yeah, I agree with that. And the winds have
0: been horrible. As somebody who's uh, on the water a lot, I I know I'm very much aware of that. And it's it's just been a a pretty tough time for so many people and it's just been a a horrible time for those folks who have both from – Kangaroo Island right through to the east coast of Australia, just just horrible.
4: So we're doing a lot more about that, John, in terms of travel destinations. Mm-hmm. So we'll roll that out across the website because people think, oh, well, the fires have stopped. But there's a lot of hardship and there's a lot of need to go to the regions. So.
0: We've got um, things to talk of health. I can't wait to talk to Beverly Sutherland Smith. That's going to be fantastic. Is that a coup? Oh yeah. Does she a friend of another friend of yours? I suppose.
4: <laughs> I'd like to say that, John. I'll be meeting her for the first time today. But she does have a local cafe uh-huh. and cooking classes and so on. But we have someone who knows everything about superannuation.
0: We do, and uh, we're very, very happy that uh, he's actually able to come live into the studio with us. Jeremy Duffield is the Chairman of Retirement Essentials. It's an online firm helping people apply for the age pension, and uh, Jeremy's great passion is helping retirees get the income they need, which is something we talk about a lot, Mm. isn't it, for the lifestyle that they want. Jeremy knows a lot about superannuation, of course, and how to get the money out as opposed to putting it in. It's called drawdown or decumulator, the phase decumulator, which is fantastic, and he's here with us now. Hello, Jeremy. Hello.
1: Nice to be here. Welcome to you.
4: So, Jeremy, thank you for joining us. We have given you probably one of the more difficult topics, and, of course, it shouldn't be difficult, but there's such emphasis on saving for super, And you seem to have identified the drawdown phase as incredibly important. So do you want to start by defining it for us?
1: Sure. Uh, Kay, it's really about the the transition you're making from being reliant on your income during your working life to relying on your savings and investment as you go into retirement. And you need to not only benefit from the, the income you can earn on those investments but start drawing down the capital and that's where the phrase comes from.
4: And it's tricky isn't it because people are either uncertain about market performance where, where their investments are, they don't know how long they're going to live, they put all their details in calculators and still don't feel very secure I guess.
1: It's a, really tough, it's a really tough question. I always used to think about it in terms of my, my mother, who's now 90, and how's she going to deal with the dual uncertainty as a self-funded retiree, of dealing with how long you're going to live and how, how might investments markets do? Now I'm 65 myself, and uh, it's an issue for me. How am I, I going to do that over the course of my uh, re- career after work?
4: So when we start to draw down super, is that technically when we reach preservation age or when we choose to activate?
1: Preservation age is sort of an artificial age the government has established to say when we can start taking money out of out of super without tax consequences. So it's typically 60, 60 for most, most people these days. And uh, But then there are other key age, ages. It's obviously when you retire, what, when you decide to get to that point of not working and relying on your working income anymore. And then when you're eligible for the age pension, which is typically 66 these days.
0: When, when should you actually stop putting money into super, even if you're you know, working? I mean, because quite often, like my, my investment people say, oh, you know, put this in and then it's wash it through and it's got tax implications of, that are positive for you. And uh, is there a time when you should not sort of continue to put it into the pool. Yeah.
1: Very hard, isn't it, to it, know? It, it is it. hard, and that's where you can use some professional advice. But one of the things we found in, in talking to our, our age pension clients is that many people leave it in the accumulation phase uh, much too long, and they forget to put it into an account-based pension, which has the benefit of, of tax-free status. And so they continue to pay 15? Ta- 15% ta- up to 15% tax oh. on, the, on their earnings kind when knows. they could be getting it tax-free. Mm-hmm.
4: I understand that everybody's situation is different. So this is why this discussion is is difficult. But are there any um, broad parameters that you can say, well, this is how I would approach thinking about drawdown?
1: Yep. Well, the first thing I'd do is uh, learn whether I'm eligible for the age pension. Yep. Because the age pension for most people is going to be the foundation of, the, of their retirement program, and you know you might apply you might get the part pension or you might get a full pension, but it 's very valuable to you, and it does have the the glory of rising with um, the cost of living over time and uh, and it 's guaranteed for life so
4: and the health care card and mm-hmm. the health
1: care card very mm. important, and so that 's getting that established is the first first thing you do, but of course, you've got to wait till you 're sixty six uh, before you can do that, and then the next thing is to work out. You know, sort of form an opinion of how much you're going to need to spend every, every year and then how much you can afford to spend. And that's where the tricky part comes in.
0: I guess the, the, the mantra that we always use on this podcast is uh, plan, 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 mm. plan, understand and act.
4: I think the the trick for many people, and I would say this is linked to the baby boomer generation particularly, is many of us don't know how much we're spending. Uh-huh. We're in. We're not running a budget, uh, old school budget. We're putting it on the credit card and closing our eyes and hoping it'll all work
1: out. Yeah, the closing your eyes approach really doesn't work when you're retired because that's all you have left. You, mm. Is you have your savings, and so people do run out, and, mm. and it, it's sad when when they do, and it's sometimes because they were frivolous, or it's sometimes just because things tough in investment markets, um, and it's, this is the cost of living starts to eat, eat away. So it, it is a bit worrisome, and does talk to the need to put money aside in the first place, but then to be relatively conservative, but not too conservative when you when you have retired.
0: Jeremy Duffield is uh, with us, the chairman of Retirement Essentials. Jeremy, I have a friend of mine who has uh, a significant. Um, pool of money in the uh, superannuation, but she believes that she may have other, through her working life, all scattered around the place. Is there a place that you can find out if there are, because there is a lot of money out there that people don't even know that they've got, that they could put into a superannuation fund. Is there a place that one can go to find out if one has... Moneys in other super funds?
1: Yes. There are plenty of places, actually. There are, people will fall all over themselves to help you find your lost, <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> lost, lost super. And, but there's right.
0: one <laughs> that
4: doesn't charge. <laughs> oh, God
1: bless you. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd start with the government sources.
4: Yeah, ATO. <laughs> ATO actually promote people's um need to go to the the website and we'll put a link up with this segment um where they put in their name and their details and they will i've looked at it many times because i'm hoping there's a pot (laughs) of gold in there (laughs) and and there isn't um but they will find your lost super but there are companies who say we will find your lost super don't do it because they'll charge you money of course they will
0: oh thank you for that
4: that's a pleasure And your friend. Um, Was that really you, John? No, it it
0: was my friend (laughs) who you know. And and she she would be most gratified uh, to know that you care.
4: Okay. So when it comes to um, pension products within super funds, is it easy to compare?
1: It's not easy to compare super funds, but I I, I would look at um, a number of things. The most important thing is to get your asset allocation right. and, And that means get the allocation between growth and defensive type instruments right. And so you've got to choose the right portfolio for you. Uh, and then I, I pay attention to keeping costs low. You know, the co- costs is the one thing that's, that you can be certain about. So, you know, look at performance, but also look at the ongoing costs that are associated with it.
4: Is it true that older people become risk averse and become too defensive in their mix?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. pe- now, all the psychological studies say that people do get more conservative when they get older, but it can actually be. Uh bad for their wealth because mm. you've got to fight inflation over the course of your retirement and if you don't have some money in uh, growth investments you're going to fall behind yeah. and that's what's happening now with interest rates at this, these record lows. It's actually a very tough time mm. to be retiring or to have been conservative and so we're seeing a lot of people with cash that are really really struggling and that's, that's really unfortunate I think.
4: Well, we found in our survey that a lot of people are holding relatively small retirement nest eggs in cash or term deposits, which are going backwards.
1: We find that too. In, in terms of our ap- applicants, uh, we find that about one third are mostly in cash. Mm. And that's a tough way to run a retirement portfolio.
4: Yeah, and it, back in the day, the, the sums used to be you could rely on doing your sums on at least 5% return on cash and that was conservative. So we've certainly seen a, a different landscape appear now.
1: Yeah, we're really in the, in the 1% to 2% mm. and that's for people that, are, that, are, that chop around. For people that don't chop around, they may get sub, sub 1%.
4: Mm, which is nothing.
1: So how can we find out more?
4: Um, I think we should have a look at Jeremy's website. Excellent. And That's uh, um,
0: retirementessentials.com.au, correct? That's right. All righty.
4: And as always, our members feel comfortable to send us Q&A. Mm-hmm. And if they want Jeremy in particular to answer, I'm sure he'll do that for us. Yeah. He'll yeah, give out his mobile to. number yeah. and he'll be happy to take a call wherever I, think, he so. happens to I be. think we should just publish that not. Yeah, no, no,
0: not, not a good event. Of course, uh, as always, you'll see uh, the retirementessentials.com.au uh, uh, link up on the Your Life Choices website. Jeremy Duffield's been uh, our guest on this particular episode, first guest on Mind Your Own Retirement. He's the chairman of Retirement Essentials. Thank you so much indeed for taking time to see us. Thank you, you,
4: Jeremy.
0: Hello there. I'd like to talk to you about Your Life Choices Pension Checker. A pension Checker is an easy to use financial tool that allows you to calculate exactly how much you should be receiving in fortnightly pensions and supplements. And it's very well priced at just $29.95 per year. To learn more go to pensionchecker.com.au and make today the day you take control of your income with your life choices Pension Checker. Well, here on Mind Your Own Retirement, Kay, I don't know how you do it, but we have a superstar in the house. I
4: think we're very lucky.
0: An enthusiastic and passionate cook from the moment she put uh, a pan on the stove, Beverly Sutherland-Smith's hobby of cooking and love of food quickly turned into a thriving business in Becken. 18 t- no sorry a 2002 sorry
4: kidding.
0: 27th cookbook was published back in 2002 entitled The Seasonal Kitchen it's uh, not only a cookbook it also displays her new interest edible garden which is designed Around her home to link with the love for food, of course. Beverly Sutherland-Smith's cooking school was the winner of the Monash Business Award for micro-home business-based uh, businesses uh, between 2002 and 2003, and she is here with us on Mind Your Own Retirement. <gasps> Beverly Sutherland-Smith, it is a
2: pleasure to meet you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes,
4: we're lucky. Um, I'm feeling a bit nervous. A bit <laughs> Because, Beverly, I bought your books back in the day. I was probably uh, gaining cooking confidence, right? And I loved the fact that the recipes were simple, but they were delicious. So how do you do that?
2: (laughs) I guess you buy fresh food. You're passionate about how you treat it with great respect Uh, and with the thought of the meal that's coming up. Uh, and. I'm a, I feel quite sad to see how many people now are buying takeaway meals mm. or thinking everything is a bother because you can come back to the most beautiful meal with very little effort. Simple, yeah. simple. Yeah, that's
4: right. And it is very much a trend everywhere in our suburb. There's people on bikes and motorbikes and basically they're taking food to young people who think yeah. that's what you do after work. So, and it's all jiggled yeah.
2: up and down. You can imagine uh, if you took your meal in the kitchen and shook it up and down a few times, that's about the same as it being on the back of a bike.
4: Yeah, so we're, yeah. we're against that idea but... I guess what we're hoping to get on behalf of our members is some ideas about how to inspire yourself if you're home alone and you know you need to eat nutritionally.
2: So And not,
0: not have a cost of fortune.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Look... If I was thinking of what I would store in the fridge, because the saddest thing is when people say, oh, it's not worth cooking for me because I'm on my own. I'm cooking for me. And I think I'm the most important person in the house. You are. So, of course, I'm going to cook well. (laughs) Uh, For example, I make sure I go to the market about once a week and wander around and have a coffee and see what's in. I always make sure I've got some lovely free-range eggs in the fridge. I mean, there's nothing nicer than a beautiful homemade omelette with some fresh herbs on it. You can buy herbs now. People are lucky out there. They don't realise how great it is compared to when I first began and there was nothing in the market compared to now. Is that why you started growing? Is is that where the... In the, the beginning, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you couldn't get what you needed. Uh, no, a little bit of both. I... Couldn't quite get every time I wanted it, the herbs perhaps. Right. But then I got excited about a garden that was full of you could eat everything. Uh, so that's why it was called the Edible Garden, uh, that everything in it was edible, like it might have camellia, which you can classify as a tea plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have all the herbs. And people started gifting me with rare things – I'll put in these white strawberries or do this. So it kind of extended out there into the world and sadly I have left it now because that enormous garden proved eventually on your own to be frankly just too Too much. much, Too much. But you can now buy most of what you want. Yeah. And you couldn't then. And I've still got a tiny courtyard and you, which you can hardly get into for things like thyme and rosemary bushes and so I've continued that. But you know, getting back to the market, uh, tomatoes. If you've got a few tomatoes and a bunch of basil and some good crusty bread, there's nothing more gorgeous than just a fresh tomato sandwich. You can get Good ones.
4: He is hungry uh, yeah,
2: hungry as <laughs> I am. Yeah. Cucumber, tomato, a bit of feta, some olives. you suddenly got a gorgeous Greek salad. And that is really so nourishing, all that kind of food. Uh, one of my things at the moment that I'm loving is cos lettuce cut in half put in a pan with the cut side down so it actually char grills a little bit turning it up on a plate and covering the top with cheese and pear oh
0: my goodness gracious me and
2: having that with crusty bread i mean that's how is a 3 minute job too much for anyone to do and enjoy
0: and it's fun yes it's fun when I was growing up, my mother, who was from England, would pressure cooker the heck out of everything. We should have thrown away the vegetables and just drunk the water at the bottom, <laughs> Beverly, because that was where all the nutrition was. Yeah. So um, our history wasn't uh, at all exotic when it came to the culinary. You know, how did you start? Where was your first love?
2: My first love actually was my granny, uh, who lived next door, and for some. Reason, at about the age of 60, opened a restaurant in Little Collins Street. And it served only one thing. You had an omelette. Take it or leave it. It was actually called the White Hen and there was a little white hen. Her name was Henrietta. So she made these omelettes. You could have herb, cheese, ham, tomato, but you had an omelette. It was constantly full. Uh, there was a queue and a lot of people from J.C. Williamson and the theatres could eat an omelette before a show. And not feel weighed
0: down. But wow. it's given- And
2: I can remember, you know, like Robert Heltman was a regular. Uh, there were a lot of famous people. In it. They just sat at the shared table, had um, Henrietta's omelette and left. How special is that? That kind of inspired me a bit. Watching and we lived next door so every Sunday she'd cook. So when I needed advice as I got married and my husband who was in the wine business kept bringing people home for dinner, I'd whiz in and talk to her uh, and ask, you know, what could I do, etc. So that was kind of like gradually becoming more and more enthusiastic. And there was nothing in the marketplace, no books, you you don't kind of realise how lacking it was in advice for people that Well, it was didn't all
4: coming know. from the Northern Hemisphere, right. wasn't it? Yes, so, it yes. was English cookbooks, yep. which had no, very little relevance to Correct, our yes. life. Yeah.
2: And also, it wasn't that. I think the Age or Howard Sun had one cooking column that was just this tiny little recipe every week. Mm. Uh Of course, long before television, long before – you listen to radio and you might get a recipe, but you had to quickly write it down. So there was a big disadvantage and that's how the classes started. People would come to dinner and say, would you mind telling me how you did this? And after a while I thought, I can't just keep doing this. How about if I have a lesson, they pay me to cover the cost and we had five people. And then a month later we had – eight people, ten people, and really that started. And that
4: was in your home. Yes, it was. Wow. Yes.
0: What would be, Kay, one of the most valuable items in your kitchen?
4: Um, what do I use? A lot A good knife.
0: Good knife's a important. A good knife. Yeah. Uh, no, but sl- I mean, like, I love my slow cooker.
4: Uh, look, I'm a, a pan. I use a scan pan.
0: Uh-huh.
4: And I use the same scan pan pretty well every night and I'll cook anything in it. I'll sure. cook stir fry. I'll cook an omelette. I'll or, cook a frittata. I'll cook steak. I probably shouldn't use one pan for everything, but I do.
2: Why not? What, do you, wh- Why what not? about what about for <laughs> you, Beverly? A really good chopping board, mm. a nice thick, solid wooden one. Mm. Uh, I don't like all these new plastic boards. No, be- because in theory, too, years ago when I was in America, they were making people use plastic, and they threw out all the wood and then they discover that wood has the most antibacterial properties. Is that right? Yes.
4: That's interesting. Yes. So
2: I use a really good solid wooden chopping board. I feel secure with it, wiping it down. Uh, (laughs) Do you wipe
0: it down with uh, a lemon or...?
2: At the end of the day, yes, but that's all. Just a, a bit of a scrub. It's sort of like... The wood, for some reason, oh, actually, yeah. yes, discourages germs. Plastic encourages germs. So that, I, after I found that, I was so happy. Cause
4: you knew, <laughs> you, you had that sense. I think what's coming out of talking to Beverly John is um, that intergenerational giving like my nana made the best gravy in the world. Sorry, Paul Kelly, but she did. Um, this is how we learn. We learn from our grandmas, our mums, our grandpas. I, I, I wish I could maybe. say
0: that, Kate, because my mother oh. was the world's worst cook. Okay, she right. was just appalling. Well, you should. God, go. I mean, look, should we're all Beverly's fine. We, we were. We, look, we all go. grew up. Look at this, a big strong <laughs> lad at sixty-nine. Yeah. You
2: look yeah. pretty good to me. I yeah. feel great, <laughs> not but, starving.
0: But um, but she came from that uh, very. Yeah. The, back in the UK back in the day. middle yep. of London the the 20s and before mm. so it was a tough time but since then I have learned to enjoy fresh wonderful foods and uh, and to experiment and not be frightened to have fun
2: good and you did say something there they came from a tough time mm, very so tough, it was yeah. not easy to cook well and as and they always yeah.
0: had you Know so many kids yeah. to have to feed another yeah. well,
4: month. Also, rationing, post yes, war exactly. rationing it was terrible. T- took yeah. away a lot of the ingredients. Yeah. Oh, so we're getting
0: the wind up already. I, Beverly, I don't want to stop this, uh, I go forever.
4: Well, maybe, maybe we can do this again, Please. but it, I'm interested in how you would encourage people when they get to the point it's not worth cooking for me. Yes. Is it about having items in the fridge? Is it a bit of a self pep talk? Have you got any ideas how to make people think yes I'm worth it,
2: you know? A couple of things, yes. we to a market and get some lovely fresh produce. Pop it in the fridge and you've got it there. Uh, But have a little plan about it as well, like we'll get tomatoes, we'll get basil, Mm -hmm. etc. But then go somewhere nice for a meal and see something that's done and get a little bit excited. I could do that. I think the fashion of the the kind of masterclass stuff is gone a bit, thank goodness. I'd like it to return to you don't need to be doing 10 different things and on a plate to have a gorgeous meal. And I think, you know, that – it's sort of coming back to simple to is the new thing. So
4: where you can enjoy Beverly's recipes and, and food is the seasonal. A, a
2: seasonal kitchen, yes.
4: Which is in Paran in Melbourne. I have um, I did my research. I went there for breakfast. It was heavenly, but I believe her lunch is even better. <laughs> okay. Is
0: that next to the Paran Market?
2: It's near the Mount Erica Hotel oh, okay. in yes. High Street. Excellent. And I do all the cake baking because although we have these wonderful bakers (gasps) – I like the old-fashioned kind of butter cakes, to have with a cup of tea or coffee. Oh. That you can't actually get, <laughs> but you can't buy those. I know, I
0: know. Isn't <laughs> it like sad? A I, mean, I love a like good like Grandma used to make. Cake. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
4: I'm going to go for broke here, Beverly. If we asked you, would you share with us a short list for the website on things that are handy to have in the fridge to for for sure. people living on their own, no and and then we yeah. can. We can actually try and help a little bit more. Absolutely, and
0: and not cost a fortune. And, in fact, a lot cheaper than going out, getting your other eats, et cetera. Beverly Sutherland-Smith, a very special guest on Mind Your Own Retirement. Many of our listeners will know you, of course, and have seen you and have heard you and have read you. Uh, Nothing but success, and please continue on. And don't forget to uh, go to the website... The SeasonalKitchen.com.au The SeasonalKitchen.com.au is a great place to go to find out more or Beverly Sutherland-Smith, oneword.com.au All those links will be put up onto our website as well. Take care and more power to you. Thank you. On the line, Barry Wallacott. From Slater and Gordon, the National Practices Group leader, Barry has had more than 30 years experience as a lawyer and for just about all of his time has specialised in public liability and personal injury law.
4: And we're delighted to be able to talk to Barry about Airbnb Mm -hmm. because it's such a popular option. People think, hotels cost a lot, I'll Airbnb it, around the world or here. But... How do you know that you'll be covered if something goes wrong?
0: We see some horror stories on the telly, don't we?
4: We do. So, Barry, could you help us by starting, assuming John is the guest mm-hmm. and he is at an Airbnb, let's say Paris, because we can, and he might be injured or disadvantaged. What, what's the law there?
3: Well, look, the laws are a mixture of simple and complicated. And it's simple in the sense that uh, if John is injured whilst he is in someone else's property, then provided that injury is caused or resulting because the property owner was negligent, then he can bring an action against the owner of the property or the host in the situation where Airbnb is involved. He can bring his case against the host and claim for his loss and damage. Now, that's the same through most of the civil and common war countries of the world. It's a little bit more complicated in some of the more exotic places. But generally, in places like Europe, America, uh, Australia, then provided you can establish negligence, then your loss can be covered. But you must prove fault because you don't get compensated for the simple fact that you've been injured.
0: Barry, you're saying that every Airbnb property that can be um, hired in in the countries of which you speak uh, does have liability insurance as part of their deal?
3: Well, Airbnb as as an organisation that uh, is basically uh, an introducer, so it acts as the introducer between you as the guest and the host as the property owner. They provide Uh, $1 million US cover for the host in the event that the host is sued or a claim is brought against the host by someone who's injured in the host's property. Now, of course, you still have to establish that the host did something wrong or negligent, Mm. but Airbnb does stand behind their hosts to the tune of a million dollars. So the problem really is going to arise when the question of whether the host was negligent uh, becomes contentious. And or the problems going to arise where the injury is way more significant than a million dollars will deal with. So, for example, let's say that the balcony collapsed mm. on the property where you were staying, mm. and you were uh, ended up being oh, quadriplegic. Then a million dollars is going to go nowhere for that. So that's where the million dollars cuts out, and you're left hopefully pursuing the host, and hopefully the host has actually got additional insurance above and beyond the Airbnb minion. Otherwise, it's going to get very messy.
4: There's a lot of is lining up there. I wonder how, let's assume John uh, tripped over a, a hole in the carpet, broke his leg, needed medical evacuation back to Australia, had an operation, maybe, let's say, a knee replacement even, whatever, something complicated... How does he prove negligence sitting in a hospital in Melbourne when this occurred in Paris and he was on his own and didn't take photos because he passed out? Like, I'm I'm not trying to yep. paint a black picture, but I am seeing some problems here.
3: Well, the picture that you paint is a pretty common one, unfortunately. Oh. The, the first thing we, we want to tell uh, listeners is that it is most important that you take photographic records in uh, situations where something has caused you to be injured the the hole in the carpet the dodgy staircase the dodgy balcony whatever make sure that someone if not you takes photographs of that because once you're gone and once you're back in the hospital or back in Australia your chances of proving sort of start to dissipate pretty quickly
4: what if you're traveling on your own though Barry I'm I'm Sort of seeing how difficult it might be.
3: The the best answer uh, for that is, and this is the advice I say to all my clients, and I'm sure you do as well, make sure you take out travel insurance because Mm. one thing about the case or your claim against the Airbnb fund is that you're going to get nothing immediately. It's going to be months or years before you ever see a dollar. So if you want to get repatriated back to Australia because you need major surgery and you don't want to have it in some exotic locale, you want your travel insurer to repatriate you back so that you can get treatment uh, in your home country and that's not going to be paid for by Airbnb or the host.
4: So on balance, would you be thinking that it's problematic for people to stay in um, so-called gig economy accommodation? Or is, 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 would that put you personally off staying in an Airbnb?
3: Uh, it would if I didn't take out my travel insurance. No. Right. And okay. if, I, if I was uh, of uh, working age and I was intending to go away on holidays and then come back and resume my employment, then I would probably want to make sure I also had income protection.
0: Barry, good advice always. Take out travel insurance. Don't skimp because, my gosh, if you need it, you are going to need it.
3: Mm. Absolutely right.
0: Barry Woolacott is uh, from Slater and Gordon. He's the National Practice Group leader and you've had, uh, say, many decades of experience as a lawyer. And uh, we do thank you in taking your time. And the the bottom line is be careful, uh, take photos if you possibly can, but do take out travel insurance. Take care, Barry. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Kay, it's been a very interesting podcast, uh, speaking with Jeremy uh, Duffield about uh, how to draw down from your uh, superannuation, and um, it's, that's been fantastic. And also, of course, the wonderful Beverly Sutherland-Smith. What a joy it was to meet her.
4: I know. We're very lucky, aren't we?
0: We are. And then, of course, <laughs> wrapping up with you know, some timely advice from Slater and Gordon and we thank uh, Barry so much.
4: Look, it's I think the theme running through everything we heard today was uh, know your stuff yep. in terms of superannuation, know what you're spending, find out the facts. Hopefully we help with that. Um, with Beverly, I think it's stay curious. Stay, stay curious. Stay and inspired.
0: Buy fresh. Buy fresh. and and, uh, and you will find that you can save a lot of money.
4: And you are worth it. You, on oh, your own. You.
0: Oh, thank <laughs> you. Oh, sorry. You, the listener.
4: Stabbing this man with my pen. I know. And then we had... Barry, talking about Airbnb, which I personally found very interesting because if I stay in one, I don't often, but if I do, I will be taking photos when I arrive.
0: Absolutely. And we hope that you will join us for our next Mind Your Own Retirement podcast. Please, folks, go to Your Life Choices, the website, the e-newsletters. There is absolutely no charge to join and you will get so much information, you won't believe it. And, of course, the links to all the folks we've spoken to today yourlifechoices.com.au and from Kay Fallock, the publisher and me John Deeks thank you for listening and we'll see you next time for Mind Your Own Retirement. And a reminder that Your Life Choices does not hold an Australian financial services license and all content and discussion is of a general nature only.